Welcome. It's a morning synth. On FM. 97.7. 62. 2020. 9 billion. 17,000. K D B S Into Space by Ella Wheeler Wilcox If the sad old world should jump a cog sometime in its dizzy spinning and go off the track with a sudden jog what an end would come to the sinning. What a rest from strife and the burdens of life for the millions of people in it. What a way out of care and worry and wear all in a beautiful minute. As round the sun with a curving sweep, it hurries and runs and races. Should it lose its balance and go with a leap into the vast sea spaces? What a blessed relief it would bring to the grief and the trouble and toil about us be suddenly hurled from the solar world and let it go on without us. With not a sigh or a sad goodbye for loved ones left behind us, we would go with a lunge and a mighty plunge where never a grave should find us. What a wild, mad thrill our veins would fill as the great earth, like a feather, should float through the air to God knows where and carry us all together.
No dark, damp tomb, and no mourner's gloom. No tolling bell in the steeple, but in one swift breath, a painless death for a million billion people. What greater bliss could we ask than this, to sweep with a bird's free motion through leagues of space to a resting place in a vast and vapory ocean. To pass away from this life for I, with never a dear tie sundered, and a world on fire for a funeral pyre, while the stars looked on and wondered. My name is Julian Andrews, and with me is Eric Santos on The Synthesizer. Bringing us some tasty licks, as always. This morning, we're drinking coffee again. But it isn't your everyday kind of coffee. Today's coffee is Tuesday coffee. In local news, holy fuck, there is a bird in the house. I don't know how it happened. Uh, we had the door open or something, and now there's a bird in the house, and it is not having it. Now it's bumping into stuff and creating a whole scene. I don't want to hurt it. This little bird head banging in in the windows. I can't quite reach it. So we have such high ceilings. You don't understand. It's going to die in here and it'll be our fault. We're bird murderers. We're birderers. 
Holy hell, dude. Don't use a broom. It's not a cat. You're going to scare it more and then we'll, we'll never get it out of the house. You need to do something. Okay, okay, okay. Let's cover the windows. It uses light to see. Okay. Uh, it seems like that calmed the bird down a bit. Maybe we can try and get a towel or a pillowcase or something and sneak up on it. Well, I've got a towel right here. And... Got it. Okay, 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 okay. Let's get it outside. Oh, we did it. Piece of cake. Well, in other news, we're not leaving the door open anymore. We don't want any more excitement. eyewitness account. I saw an itchy lizard today. It was molting. The lizard had flaky skin hanging off of its entire body. The lizard was found hanging on a rock face in a little corner. This lizard is like rubbing his sides on the corner, scratching with its front and back legs, all while hanging on a vertical face of rock. It was very okay with my presence while I was about two to three feet away. Then I thought, 
Maybe you would like it if I helped pick some of his skin off. I started to reach over, and it quickly climbed away. first moved in to my car. I was living in a small community east of Los Angeles. I had an older friend who had lived in a car before. I told him my plan and he said that he would be over later that day to help. We bought materials, some plywood, two by fours, fasteners and brackets. He told me that beds need to be comfortable. You'll be lucky to spend a lot of time on it and it'll always be there, waiting for you after a long day. We took turns drawing plans, cutting the wood, and putting it together. It didn't feel like work. It felt like hanging out with a friend. I was pleased that he stopped by to do the work. A year later, I was living in the middle of nowhere, in some desert. The bed, having followed me across the western United States, was falling apart. It wasn't so much the craftsmanship that caused the bed to fall apart. It's just kind of how I lived. Several years after that, 
was living in an apartment alone. My previous roommate had moved on, and it was about time for me to as well. I had another vehicle, slightly larger, that could use a bed. My friend was not available this time, but he had given me a gift by helping me the first time. I knew how to build a bed. I bought lumber, drew up plans, and built another bed inside of this van. It was different. It wasn't necessarily better or worse, but it was exactly what I wanted. I slept on this bed for another year, traveling along the western United States, bed following me the entire time. Now a few days ago, I had a friend that needed a bed. Not necessarily for the same reasons. But all bodies need a place to sleep. I pulled an old bed frame and mattress out of storage. Generally, where I keep things from my old life, and I put it together. I took the time to tighten the screws that would eventually come loose and cause the bed to rattle with each toss and turn. I wanted them to sleep well, and often. Building a bed isn't the most glamorous or most difficult thing you can do for someone. But if there's any energy you can put into someone's life, putting energy into their sleep isn't such a bad idea.
the before times. The way before times. There were a bunch of apes that learned that working together would help them hunt larger prey. pushing air through their throats. They could generate noises that would allow them to signal and understand each other. This allowed them to effectively hunt and strategize, forming communities of creatures with a unified goal. To survive. They worked together as units, challenging other units for resources and mates. The utilization of fire and tools allowed these allowed these creatures to collect, process, and eat more often. Nomadic communities started to settle down in singular areas when they figured out how to farm basic cereal crops raise other animals for utility and food. Stone tools were slowly replaced with more durable and versatile materials. They designed complicated processes for making tools. They started using metals. They got a bit better at shedding blood. Blunt tools became sharper. They started recording information. Counting became trivial. They needed more intricate ways of understanding the world around them. They created mathematics and writing. It used to be hard to move things, but wheeled carts and animals allowed groups to trade resources and survive better. Different groups formed states, and these states were governed by belief systems. Some disagreed with how things were run and more blood was shed. Some groups built giant structures. Some expanded and conquered, but things moved forward 
whatever that meant. At some point, some of these creatures realized that certain materials burned better than others. They realized that an ignition source would lead to a large explosion. They didn't know exactly what was going on, but they knew that it could be used. Shedding blood became easy. They were able to use this powder mixture to shoot projectiles at each other accurately and quickly. It took complicated equipment, but not complicated to use. Entire nations fell. Fires swept the lands. Dynamism and change had found a physical form. The explosions got larger and the projectiles became more complicated. Two explosions were unimaginable in size and killed an extremely large amount of them in near an instant. The growth changed. There had to be rules. These explosions are dangerous, but now they're too dangerous. We are afraid that there will be too many of the big explosions. Meanwhile, something strange happened. A small amount of the creatures formed together and gathered a large amount of explosives. Not quite the big explosions, but some that were big enough. Instead of looking at each other, they looked up. They stuck some of their finest and most well-trained apes on top of the pile of potential explosions. They lit that candle. And finally, some of those apes left this rock.
anteaters are an amazing edentate animal that eats up bellyfuls of bugs. The most commonly known species of anteater is known colloquially as the giant anteater. Here are some interesting facts about our favorite toothless mammal. 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 Number one. While the name might suggest so, these giant anteaters are not giant compared to humans. Number two, their tongues can extend up to two feet. That's longer than a small dog. Number three, anteaters have no teeth. They don't consider getting dentures either. Their main source of food, ants and termites, do not require chewing to eat. Anteaters walk on their wrists. Their claws are like sharp knives and they actively have to avoid stabbing themselves with their stabbers. Number five. Anteaters are antisocial. They only get together to mate. When they do get together to mate, it is often either apathetic or violent. Number six, anteaters usually eat around 30,000 ants a day. Imagine eating 30,000 ants in a day, but they still prefer termites. Imagine eating 30,000 termites in a day. Number seven, Anteaters only feast on nests or mounds for a couple minutes at a time. They would prefer not to be attacked by their meals, and they would rather come back to an abundance of food rather than choosing to eat it all now and be disappointed later. Number eight, anteaters should not be approached while in the wild. If you get too close, you will get cut. We warned you.
Now for a public service announcement. Make good decisions. Stink, think stuff through. And good luck. simple guide to making connections. As human beings, we sometimes have an overwhelming urge to connect. For some, this urge is less frequent. For some, it's more. To help you attempt making your own connections, we have outlined a process which has been successful for us. Connect the power transformer to an AC power outlet Connect the power cable into the DC power input. You now have power. With this power, you can turn on. It is important to have power or you will not be able to turn on. With power properly connected, you now have the ability to make additional connections. Additional connections include L, mono, R, MIDI in, MIDI through, MIDI out, Ext input, CV in, CV out, headphones. Here are some scenarios for making use of these additional connections. 
mono. If you would like your sound to go somewhere, connect one end of the quarter inch TS cable to the L mono jack, and the other end to a mixer with a powered speaker or other sound amplifier. This is the simplest connection to make if you would like sound to be heard by others. R. If you would like your sound to be multi-dimensional, connect another quarter-inch TS cable to the R jack and to your stereo-equipped mixer, the same as the L mono connection. Make sure you are either connecting to a separate channel you'll be using to control your new input, or that you have a channel that is prepared for stereo inputs. You can now make sound in two dimensions, left and right. If you would like to connect with yourself more, you can make a very convenient connection using a pair of headphones. Plug the quarter-inch TRS jack from your headphones into the headphone jack. You will have trouble connecting with others in this configuration, but will be isolated in a space you can better connect with yourself. If you would like to give someone else a voice, you can connect their quarter-inch TS cable into the EXT input jack. This allows them to connect with you and create sound together. The other additional connections are very complicated and hard to understand, so we will be doing more research in order to inform you on how to make these additional connections. But for now, you have everything you need to start making connections. We hope this guide has been eye-opening and helpful. If you would like to download our guide to making connections for future reference, we will have it available on our website in the near future. What did you find on the bottom?
The morning synth team can be a bit hesitant at times. We started thinking, moving is weird. And here is a list of things about why moving is weird. Number one, when we move, we don't recognize the license plate frames of local car dealerships anymore. Number two, we have to feel weird about how much stuff we have to move. So we get rid of a bunch of stuff before moving. After settling in, we start to miss our stuff and just end up buying all that stuff back. Number three, our junk mail would be different. Where are my coupons? Number four, the air would smell different. Number five, where are the grocery stores? None of those store names mean anything to me. Six, I don't recognize those area codes. Are they nearby? Or did these people move there too? Number seven, the stoplights might be different. Number eight. The breweries are good here, but still not quite as good as I want my local brewery to be. Number nine. Sleepwalking becomes much more difficult for a period of time and potentially much more risky. Number 10. How will I avoid my new neighbors? What else makes moving weird?
drop a comment below and let us know. We now bring you your daily etymology. It was brought to us for you by edimonline.com. Perplex. From the 1590s, meaning embarrass, puzzle, bewilder, or fill someone with uncertainty. Evidently a back formation from perplexed, a variant of the adjective perplex. Perplexed, puzzled, bewildered. From Latin, perplexus. Involved, confused, or intricate. But Latin had no corresponding verb. Perplectere. The Latin compound would be per, through, plexus, entangled, past participle of plectere, to twine, braid, and fold. The form of the English adjective began to shift to perplexed by late 15th century probably to conform to other past participle adjectives, and the adjective perplexed became obsolete from the 17th century. The verb is the latest attested of the group. The sense of make intricate, involve, entangle, make it difficult to be understood is from the 1610s.
you've been listening to Morning Synth. to do.